This podcast is sponsored by HassleFree.com. HassleFree has supported many NICU families in the Iowa City area. HassleFree provides fundraising merchandise to help out families and organizations when in need of some extra funds. Let HassleFree deal with all the hassle. You don't have to deal with orders, exchange of money, or delivery. That way you can focus on what is most important for you and your family. You You ready, Mama? I'm freaking ready. Can you hear the um, cocoa melon? Did I get far enough away that it's okay? Okay. I may be able to hear a little bit. Can just be our. So if anybody hears anything, it is cocoa melon in the background, babysitting, baby Liam, babysitting Liam for a little bit. (laughs) Okay, so in this episode, we are going to talk about parenting in the NICU and. As many parents know, parenting in the NICU can look different for a lot of different people. One way um, is someone that is there 24-7 never leaves. There are some that are too far away or have to work, so they have to parent remotely. Um, And then maybe more of, I don't know, Taylor and I probably were more leaning towards the there all the time, but also took our opportunities to go home when we needed. And we can talk about our Thursday night date nights, too. Absolutely. Anyway. Okay. Okay. So how long was your NICU stay? Uh, we were in the NICU for 167 days. So about five and a half months. What about, what was yours? We were 209. Oh my goodness. Which would have been lo- a little bit longer, but we decided to transfer to child serve for another 60 days. Um, but 209 in the NICU. Oh my goodness. Great times. But you know what? There are people that are in there much longer than we are. So always about perspective and there's always people that are there shorter, but we're always reminded that it's not really a competition. Just, I do get a little jealous of those babies that get out before their due date though. Those little turkeys. Me too. And sometimes I have to like remind myself, like for every mom, everyone goes through something traumatic in the experience itself. Like 20 what'd you say 209 I couldn't even imagine that yeah yeah it was but then don't you think there are days where you're like uh how did we do that <laughs> yeah many days <laughs> looking back many days like yes how the hell exactly. well what did your typical day look like <clears throat> um and then you and Brady kind of had some some little system going on what did that look yeah, like yeah right? so ours was pretty it was pretty much the same during the week I tended to live basically at the NICU, not in real life, but like I was there from morning to like late at night. Um, typically would get there just in time for rounds, hang out in his room, go to lunch, come back and stay late and then go home and do it all again. What about you? Yeah. So Brady would take the first shift, right? Oh, yes. So it, Brady was, you know, Brady had a harder time sitting in there and watching and just kind of not having control. Uh, so I tended to be the one that kind of hung out there more. Brady would come in. Yeah, I I think I recall it would be like he would come in, you know, in the afternoon um, for a couple hours, go home, go do stuff around the house. And then usually come in again, like before bedtime, a couple more hours. 
So he wasn't there like the whole, whole day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it was you got the difference, I think, is you guys live, what, 15 yeah. minutes away or whatever. Yeah. And I had a hotel room um, five minutes away or whatever. But uh, yeah, when I came also and Taylor, you probably were too working um, on things during yeah. this day. But I was most of the time well through the 200 and whatever days I was working full time from the NICU. So I try to get there, um, at 8am, just like I would for a normal work day. And typically that's right. I believe that's when cares start and try to participate in the cares, which is for those that don't know, cares are changing the diaper, taking the temperature, repositioning, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, then I would wait till rounds and get the scoop of what's going to happen that day. And you know, some days you're just hoping that nothing happens. <laughs> yep. And some days you're hoping that um, progress happens. So did that. And then, yep, similar would work and text Taylor or FaceTime <laughs> a million times to see what or she's Or sneak doing. into each other's rooms. Or sneak into each other's rooms. Um, Shout out to the hospital. <laughs> like, God, those two again. Um, grab lunch. We liked the atrium for those who know about the the atrium secret in the U of I. And then um, we would typically go back and, and then um, to the room, you know, sit and do whatever we needed to do. Cares when it happened. Pump. We would be pumping oh, a lot. Which, yeah, I don't that forget That seems the like pumping. a distant memory, but it just seems like every time you would get done pumping, you'd have to start pumping again. <laughs> Uh, we would like to take like walks or coffee breaks. So we would do that, um, together. And then, yeah, we stayed pretty late. We had some pretty late nights. I think we try to walk out at least when we were in Bay two, three, one, um, together, uh, to the parking ramp. So we were safe. <laughs> yep. And yellow, a, a go cyclone or a go hawk. No, a go hawk every <laughs> time. <laughs> and yeah, so that was pretty much our day. And you know, then there's the roller coaster of, of the NICU. So every day basically looked the same, but then you would have those days where something was happening and you had to pivot a little bit. Yep. I agree. This podcast is sponsored by hasslefree.com. Hasslefree has supported many NICU families in the Iowa City area. Hasslefree provides fundraising merchandise to help out families and organizations when in need of some extra funds. Let Hasslefree deal with all the hassle. You don't have to deal with orders, exchange of money, or delivery. That way you can focus on what is most important for you and your family. Now, did you did you mention when <laughs> David would come? No. So, so yeah. So our week looked like, um, you know, we have two older girls at home. So my husband would stay with, uh, stay with them during the week, get them to school and dance and all the things during the week. And then I would, um, or then he would come on Thursdays and Thursdays were kind of our, what we call our date night. So we typically went out with Taylor and Brady for some drinks. Um, we liked to do, um, just something fun, a game wise, like we went to the bar and threw darts a lot, or we went bowling, went ax throwing, things like that. And then, you know, you typically out to dinner. Um, 
and then I would leave on Friday and then David would stay uh, Friday and Saturday and then come home at some point, either Saturday night or Sunday. So we could have a family day on Sundays um, in Ankeny. And then I would leave Monday morning and we would just kind of start it all over again. What? It's kind of like I referred it to Groundhog yeah. Day, Groundhog yeah. Day. <laughs> it did get very repetitive. Yes. And then what sure did your guys' weekends look like? And sorry if you hear Hi, Liam. in the background. Uh, clearly, Coco Melon isn't doing the job today. Um, so our weekends, I feel like we're pretty similar as in like I would try to always make. Hey, he wants to be Liam. part of the show. Well, him and him and Benny are hitting each other that's what they're doing um but our weekends looked pretty identical um i would always try to come in saturday i tried to take the time to at least give like me and brady time frame of like being able to hang out that night or that afternoon or go do something but sometimes that's easier said than done but that was kind of the goal for the weekend it'd be like time for us to hang out yeah. What about working? How did you guys balance that? So I was super fortunate. I think in my NICU experience, um, having a business of our own and like a family owned business. So my whole family kind of came together. So I didn't really have to physically be there and work and even like doing the work from the hospital. You were so good at that, Macy. Like, I don't know how you and David were able to do that, but I could not do that. I was so in a different dimension during that whole experience. So thankfully, I didn't really have to worry about working, working while being there. Um, I kind of had that fort covered. So that was really nice. Yeah, you were a hard, I mean, you are such a hard worker, but even in there, I always admired that. I'm like, holy crap, this girl, I don't know how you can do it, but you guys definitely did. Well, I probably didn't do a very good job. (laughs) We still did it. (laughs) Yeah, I should have seen my performance evaluation from my boss that year. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, Oh, man. Um, Yeah, so I I think the interesting part of that is, from my view of sitting in the NICU is there wasn't a whole lot of parents there when I was there because I was there during the week and I'm sure that it looked differently on the weekends to other parents. But um, I just, I think it's just interesting how different families have to function differently. And, uh, but yeah, just, just interesting for sure. Yeah. And I feel like some days too, it would like get to the point where like, the nurses would literally, I think the one first day I remember me and you got out and did something yeah. for ourselves. Do you remember uh, what we did? We got our nails done. Yes. Yes. One of the nurses was like, go do something, like, out of do something for yourself. <laughs> and that took me so long to like, understand, like, it's okay to actually not be there all the time. And it's okay to sleep in a little or, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yep. take care of, take care of you as a a parent or as a mom is something that definitely has to be done Mm -hmm. yes what about like um the knowledge medical and NICU knowledge that you gained from the time 
Liam was born until he went home. And like, how did that evolve? And then a follow-up question. If you had a second baby in the NICU, (laughs) (laughs) please don't ever do that. But if you have a second baby in the NICU, how would that be different the second time around? Do you think knowing the knowledge that you gained from your first experience? I actually think about this quite a bit in my, all of my, my free time. I'm like, gosh, that's a great question. Um, well, I feel like in the beginning, obviously I didn't know anything. We just went day by day, but now being home, like, and I know you can relate, you have NICU moms reaching out to you, asking you questions like what's an appropriate blood gas. What's, you know, what, what is the difference between intubation and, you know, Ram or whatever, Back then, if you would have said that to me, I would have thought you were speaking a different language. And now I feel like I could be (laughs) a NICU nurse. (laughs) Maybe not. Definitely not. But you just learn so much um, just from hearing. Oh, um, note to self podcasting while you don't have help with the baby harder. (laughs) Hey, it's okay. Better than nothing. It's all right. Yeah, true. Um, okay. So I, I'm thinking, trying to think where I left off. I think you were, we were talking about like the, um, crash course and being a NICU nurse or or a neonatologist even. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely gained so much information during our stay. Yes. I think it is just, I don't know, as, as you just can relate. And like you said, it's a different language. I have a friend who went through and infertility and I always have a hard time yeah. with that word I don't know why but like she shares her story and like what she talks about is like a foreign language to me <laughs> and I assume uh-huh. that's the same that other people think about as we're talking about um some of the medical care yep so I agree. go ahead what I was just going to say, so what do you, how do you think you, I know you asked this, but how would you feel if you were to have another baby go through the NICU? Well, I haven't spent much time thinking about this because I won't have yeah. another baby go through the NICU. I'm like, done. I'm done. But um, I, I just think I would just honestly fall apart. Like, I don't think I could take it. Like, just I the, there was like ignorance is bliss with Noah and in yeah. each step along the way you really didn't know what was coming um yeah and, and if you knew what was coming you would crawl into a ball and not be able to move so I don't know how these parents who have multiple kids in the NICU do it and I I would assume that nurses would have a harder time with parents that have already been there. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just, it, there's just, there's definitely a wealth of knowledge to know if you've been through it, but also from a mental side of things, I think it'd be a lot harder on me. Yeah. I think, I think that all the time I'm like, seriously, cause I do know some moms that second, third, you know, they've gone through it and just like their stories of it. I'm like, Oh my goodness, you are so mm-hmm. strong. But <clears throat> I ask myself that a lot. Cause I'm like, Liam being our first baby, like, are we done? What's our mm-hmm. plan here? You know, I ask Brady that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I go through moments of like, Oh, I think I could do it again. And then it's like, Nope, absolutely not. Like, yeah. 
I don't, I yeah. don't know. I mean, I, th- I think moms that have traumatic birth stories in general, even if they don't land in the NICU sometimes have those same emotions about having another kid. And that's, you know, yes. some people, I have a, my best friend, they, they had a terrible experience with their first child and it just took them a really long time to want to even have a second child. So, yeah. so I think that people I can relate can totally in, see that. in all sorts of ways in that, but Um, And also, I think we need to remember that just because you have a bad experience or a NICU baby the first time doesn't mean that that's always going to happen the second time. So, um, so you remember that Taylor, have have lots more babies. They tell me that they tell me the likelihood of it happening again is very slim, but it still could happen, but it's like triggering still. Yeah. So the U does a really good job of this family centered care and, um, and what that is, is allowing parents to be a part of the team. And so you're always involved in rounds. You can be bedside with your child at all times. They do a very good job, in my opinion, of valuing the parents' comments and concerns and, um, and so I, I wondered, um, let's try to read it. What did you like most about the family centered care? And then, um, you know, what experiences did you have where you felt valued in those situations? Um, so I think for myself in the beginning, like the cares and stuff, I was, I mean, and I can speak maybe for Brady too, but I was kind of hesitant on you know, doing some of those cares because I was in such a fragile, like mental state too. But then seeing this little baby so small and hooked to so many things, it probably took me a good week or two to finally kind of dive in with them. And so I think the care part, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. The participation in cares is a big part of the family care centered um, initiative and I'm just like you, Taylor. I couldn't, I couldn't, I could barely look at her, let alone touch her. And David just dove right in. And remember, he was like picking her up for bed changes and changing diapers and taking temperatures. And I was over in the corner, like in a fetal position, just unable to, to do it because I just felt like I was going to hurt her. Um, and I was just very emotional in those first few days to weeks that I just felt like I couldn't, but you just gain you just gain all the experience and um, confidence to be able to start doing that. And so then it was, it becomes second nature. The rounds were um, eye-opening because at the first few times you're, I mean, this is a teaching hospital. So there's 10 doctors, nurses, everybody, um, nutritionists, everything uh, around trying to explain their area of what is going on with Noah and what the plan would be for that day. And at the beginning, I was like, what are they talking about? Similar to, to what we were talking about earlier about just, it just kind of being foreign. And I have a little bit of background in, in, in medical world. I was an athletic training student, took a ton of biology classes and med classes. So I had at least a little bit of an idea what they were talking about and be able to ask questions to learn more. Um, but as time goes, you definitely get, um, more comfortable asking questions. So they have to explain it in a way that makes sense to you. And then, um, 
if you have any ever of a concern, like you're like Taylor and I were in there all day. If she's not acting like her normal self, just like any other mother would, you would bring those concerns to your doctor. And so that happened a lot. Like, hey, I think she's sleeping more than usual or hey, her heart rate's been up for a long time. Is there anything that we need to look at? Um, And with these preemies, they don't waste time. They run a blood panel right away to see if there's any markers up. They, If they think that there is something going on that cultures are going to take too long for, they start antibiotics. And that happened like every other week, I feel like, with Noah. So um, the parent-centered plan that the U has is phenomenal. And I feel like that helps so much save babies um, in their unit. I would say um, experiences in the NICU that weren't awesome um, were very few and far between. But um, I I mean, I think just like with any hospital stay, you're going to have issues with nursing staff. Um, I had a really traumatic experience where I um, I had went I started to lose my voice on the, th- on the Thursday that I was there with Noah and I went home, um, on Friday morning and I completely lost my voice. I went to the doctor, got tested for strep and mono and COVID and all the things. Um, I slept pretty much all weekend by Sunday night. I was feeling better, but still just had um, my voice was just still kind of gone. So headed back on Monday. I was there all day Monday, Tuesday came around and one of the nurses in the hallway said I was sick and the nurse managers made me go home. And I was just beside myself. I was so angry. And, um, I let the nurse manager know I was angry. I went back to the hotel. I packed up my stuff and then I got a phone call as I was getting ready to head out of town. And then I kind of got like excited that I was going to go see my big kids. So they called, I called them back. They said that I could come in and, um, I just had to take the rest of the day just to chill out and take a nap and talk to my therapist. And then I came back later in the afternoon when the next shift was there. So I didn't even have to like see those people again. I was so angry. Um, I get it though. Like I totally understand that we're not trying to like expose babies to illnesses, but I literally been tested for everything under the sun. And, um, I'd had no other symptoms besides laryngitis. So, um, anyway, crisis averted and it was fine, but there was just times like that where we just, you know, you're, the parents are in a, really vulnerable state. And, um, there were just people that weren't willing to be graceful or meet you halfway, but that again, very few and far between. Well, thank you for taking the time and listening to the real mamas in the NICU podcast. And, um, we hope that you enjoyed it. So if you liked what you heard and want to hear some more or not, please click our subscribe button, give us a review and tell your friends to follow us on all your platforms that you're on. We would greatly appreciate that. Taylor and I um, are really enjoying ourselves in this, in this adventure and shout out to Liam for his co-hosting today in the background, but you know what? It's real life and real things happen. And um, yeah, so thank you again. And we will talk to you soon.